as Patrick mentioned, this is not a typical Sunday morning for us here at New City. He's usually up here. Um, but today we're going to kind of talk about um, the, the role of women in ministry and the role of women living out their faith. And um, <clears throat> as I was thinking a little bit about this whole gender difference, I even thought about the difference in Patrick and I getting ready for this morning. So Patrick probably never worries about the amount of humidity in the air when he comes to preach on Sundays. I'm like, my hair is probably looking real big, and I was a little concerned about that this morning, but I it's okay. I'm sure you did. But I'm sure he's also never thinking, well, if I wear a dress, I might sit the wrong way, so I'll wear pants. So. Um, but I am so glad to be here this morning and share with you a little bit of my journey as well, some journeys um, of women in scripture. Um, and some women in our church as well. And so um, I do love that God has created women and men uniquely um, different um, and given us gifts and skills that we can use um, together in ministry. And so I'm excited to share with you guys a little bit about that. And so as Patrick mentioned last week, we're journeying through this Faith Works um, series. And we're talking about how our internal transformation has external implementations. And so what we learn and what we grow in our, in our heart shows up in our works. And so I'm excited to talk about how that looks um, in the life of women. And so uh, a few examples I just wanted to pull out from Scripture this morning. We see all throughout Scripture, actually, God used women in unique and mighty ways. And so I just kind of thought through what are some of my favorite stories of women in the Bible and how can I share um, about those women. So um, these women are in a place in Scripture because they did mighty things for the Lord. And so I often think that we think women in the Bible, men in the Bible, even missionaries that we look like, like Lottie Mooney, I'm sure I'm like, there's some huge heroes of their faith. But honestly, they were just obedient to God's calling, and God did mighty things through them. And so we're going to learn a little bit about those women, um, and then we're going to talk to some women in our church who are doing some mighty things in their faith as well. So we're going to talk first about Esther. And so if you haven't read the book of Esther, I would encourage you this week to sit down and read this book, because it's actually like a little bit of a soap opera, you know, like a Shonda Rhimes, Grey's Anatomy kind of thing. And so there's a lot of drama going on, and I kind of sometimes wonder if these scandalous, like, TV writers are sometimes pulling people out of scripture to tell their story and, like, exaggerate in some way. And so I was going to give you a little bit of background about the story of Esther. And so basically there was once a king named Xerxes, and Xerxes had a lot of money, a huge kingdom, and a beautiful wife. And so he threw a party one day to show off his money and his, um, and his kingdom, and he wanted to show off his beautiful wife. Well, she refused to come to the king's party because it was she didn't really want to be shown off. So she refuses to come to the party, and so naturally he removes her as queen and says, you can't be queen any longer. Weird, right? That's what happened. Um, so that means he needs a new queen. So he calls all these young women from all over the kingdom to come and live in his harem, and he can see these women whenever he wants, and from that harem he can choose a new queen. So there, at this time in this kingdom, um, there were Jews displaced living here because of some things in history. There were Jews in this kingdom that um, were not part of the actual kingdom. So the Jews that were living there, um, there was a Jew named Mordecai. So Mordecai had a niece he had raised named Esther, and Esther was young and beautiful. So she was placed in the king's harem, and long story short, um, she went before the king and found favor with the king, but also found favor with all the king's um, like residents in his home, and so she became the queen. So God had given her um, some favor in a relationship with the with the king to become queen. So about that time, there was also a noble man in this kingdom named Haman. And so Haman um, somehow pleased the king, made the king happy, and the king gave him a high position in this kingdom. And at this high position, he became arrogant and showy, and he demanded that people kneel down before him. And so Mordecai, being a Jew that loves to serve the Lord, refuses to bow down to Haman, this king's official. So Haman gets really mad, and in a fit of anger, he, does, he decides to not only kill Mordecai, but he's like, let's just kill all the Jews. So he takes it a little too far. So he's going to kill all the Jews um, because Mordecai won't give him respect. So um, the king gives Haman whatever he wants. He just agrees to what Haman says. 
and declares that on this random day in the near future that all the people in the kingdom can rise up against the Jews um, and kill them and take their stuff. Kind of weird, right? Um, so Esther really isn't aware of any of this happening, and the king doesn't know that Esther is a Jew. So that kind of plays into the story a little bit, that he doesn't know that his wife, who he's lo he loves, is actually a Jew as well. So Mordecai finds out about this, and in his process of mourning, um, he goes to the, pa the palace and asks the queen to help save her people. Um, so Mordecai tells Esther's servants what the edict says and gives them a copy of the edict. And he goes, um, and he asks the servant to go to Esther and beg for mercy for her people. So let's read this next part together in scripture. It's going to be on the screen. Um, Esther chapter 4, um, verses 9 through 17. So it says, So Hadak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hadak and said, and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servant and all the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all to death, except for the one whom the king holds the golden scepter, he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these thirty days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai said, told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go and gather all the Jews who are present in Susa, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for the day, day and night, and my maids and I will do the same. And I will go into the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went on his way according to, and did all according to what Esther had commanded. So we see here that God has given Esther a place of position that gave her an opportunity to serve the Lord. So the rest of the story plays out a little bit like one of those self-rappers we kind of referenced earlier. She goes to the king, the king spares her life, and he promises her anything she wants up to half of the kingdom. So she just requests a banquet, which is, I feel like, kind of a strange request when he says, you can have it all. And she's like, I'll have a banquet. Let's eat together. <laughs> and so she requests the banquet. She asks that Haman come to the banquet, and then she requests another banquet. Um, and she wants Haman at that banquet as well. And so at the second banquet, she tells the king <coughs> the evil plan that Haman has come up with and how it was really self-serving, and they were going to murder all of her people. Um, and so the king issues a new edict and gives the Jews the right to defend themselves against their enemies, and a lot of people die, including Haman. So there are a couple other plot twists to the story that, again, I think you should go and read because it's really interesting. Um, but what we really see here is that God gave Esther a place of favor and position, and she used that favor and position to save her people. So just a really cool story um, of someone being faithful to serve the Lord in that way. And so um, the next person we're going to look at is a person named Rahab, who actually wasn't even a follower of God when God used her. And so I think this is a really neat story. Um, so let's look a little bit of the history of the story, and we'll read a little bit of it together as well. And so... Um, so basically, the book of Joshua is kind of the backdrop of this, this book. is like this contentious and battled 40 years of wandering through um, the desert. The Israelites have been promised. Um, God had promised the Israelites some land called the Promised Land. Um, and God had given them this new home that they were to move into. Well, through a series of events, they ended up in slavery. Um, and then they ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years. And so it's like at the end of Moses' life, Joseph, Joseph or Joshua takes over as the king or the the leader, the leader of the people. They didn't have a king at this point. So he takes over as the leader of the people, um, and they're ready now to claim their promised land that God has given them. So to kick off this adventure, an unlikely relationship is formed that gives Israel entry into one of the last strongholds, which is Jericho. 
And so Joshua, as this new leader, um, he's given permission by God to go into the land. And so just like Moses had done years before, he in secret sent spies into this land. And so he not only didn't tell the enemy he was doing this, but he also didn't tell the Israelites because, let's just face it, like the last time they sent spies in, it was kind of a disaster. And they ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years. So these spies went in um, to this place, um, just kind of scope it out. And when the spies arrive, they go to the home of Rahab, who was a prostitute. And so while this is kind of like, I thought this was like a pretty smart idea for Rahab. Like they go to Rahab's house because they think, oh, we're not going to go to tech. We'll go undetected here. She's a prostitute. Why would they think? Spies would go visit prostitutes. They go to her house, assuming that they will um, hide from the king and his people. Um, but that doesn't happen. The king finds out about him, um, the spies being there. And they go to Rahab and ask Rahab um, if the spies are there. But she had actually hidden them on her rooftop to give protection to them. Um, and so she tells the spies, they were here, or the, the king's men, they were here, but they've left. So go look for them. Maybe you'll catch up with them. And so, but instead, they're on her rooftop. And so let's read together what the conversation she has with these spies after she sends the, um, the king's men out. So Joshua 2, starting in verse 8, says, Now before they lay down, she came up to the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and the terror of, uh, the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For you have heard how the, because we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, <clears throat> our hearts melted. Neither did they, there remain any courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God is the God of heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show me kindness in my, fa in my father's house, and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be, when the Lord has given us this land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Um, so we see here that God gave Rahab special relationships that gave her opportunity to serve a God that wasn't even her own. And so um, we see Rahab display a level of trust and vulnerability with these foreign spies. Um, and we recognize that God was giving, she recognized that God was going to give them success in her land. And so... She asked for salvation, and spies granted it to her. And so God gave Rahab a relationship with these two men to not only lead Israel to successfully enter the promised land, but also to grant Rahab entry into the family of God. And so I just think that's just such a, a unique story of God allowing someone who didn't even really have a relationship with him to serve in a way that then she became a part of the family of God. So, um, so just like these women that we've learned about in Scripture use position and relationship um, to serve the Lord, there's women... God's given us women today the same kind of gifts and abilities to serve in a way that impacts others. And so I want to ask a few women from our faith family to come up and just um, talk about how they live that out. And so um, Leslie and Tara and Tony, I don't, I'm like, a, you're here somewhere. There you are. Come down and join me. Give a round of applause if you want If you guys want to grab a seat here. Um, Join me in the comfy chair. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being willing to share a little bit about your stories today. Um, as I was thinking through um, how we might do this this morning, I just thought it would be so great to hear from more than just one lady who's serving in the church in different ways. And so I'm glad you guys are willing. I think they're all on, so you should be good. Um, if not, we'll figure it out. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask actually each of you one question individually, and then I'm going to ask a question that we can just kind of all toss around. And PJ will help you. It's awesome. There we go. <laughs> 
Um, so let's just start with you, Leslie. Um, Leslie, tell us how God has used relationships in your life to lead you in your faith journey, and how are you seeing God influence your relationship with non-believers? Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Leslie. Uh, I've been on this journey for about a year and a half now. Um, relationships is really what has driven me to this point. Um, throughout my 24 years, I've come into so many relationships with family, friends, uh, peers, co-workers, and I think it's all really built up to this point. Um, these relationships, they, they test you, they kind of expose you to new open waters. And I think that a year and a half ago, the relationships that I made with people in New York, uh, people in New City Church, it was really the right time. It was a time where I was ready and God knew that this was my moment and he knew that this, I was ready right now and not five years ago. Um, in my heart, I was, I was ready to understand that there was this void and I was trying to fill it with different things. I was trying to fill it with activities. Maybe it's, I don't have this, I, I want this. But it wasn't that, and I was ready and developed enough in my mind and in my heart to understand that this was the time. So I think people really pushed me through that. Um, they helped me through my hardest times. And I think these relationships that people have shown me, you know, being a non-believer at, at the time, people still showed me grace and love and they interacted and they didn't try to intrude on my life and didn't try to change the way I thought. They loved me for who I was, even, you know, I might be temperamental and not loving others as much as they were loving me, but through that relationship, I am now able to show others the same kind of compassion and love and whether or not I, I think, you know, I'm, sometimes I can be short-tempered, so sometimes I'm like, you just did that to me, so why am I going to love you? Why am I going to help you out? Why, why am I going to show you compassion when you literally just slapped me in the face with your words? But other people did that to me. In, in my times of hardship, they still love me, so I think uh, being shown those relationships and and love, I'm able to have these conversations openly, knowing what it's like to be on the other side and knowing how much they need it, whether they know they need it or they don't know they need it. I know that I'm gonna to continue to live out my faith um, by just kind of using God and, and showing others how he has showed me love. And for me, a lot of you guys who know my story, it all started with one question. You know, I was in a really, the time in my life, I was in a really, really bad place. And for those who just always, you know, just looked like they had it together, they're always staying positive and knowing, saying, you're going to get through this. I'm, I'm, and I'm just like, how are you going to get through this? What is grounding you? Why are you never mad? Why doesn't the subway, you know, crowdedness <laughs> get under your skin? Why are you so calm all the time? And I just... It was mind-boggling to me, but now I understand. It's because you know that God is in control, and you're going to be okay, and you don't have to worry, and I just want to continue to be the person who shows other people, whether they're non-believers or believers, my faith, and I want to live that out so that one day, when they're ready, whatever that may be, they're going to ask me, 
why are you so calm right now? What keeps you grounded? And exactly, and, and that's gonna be the conversation starter because I, I want to be able to show everyone what I have felt, but I know that everyone has a right time because I know that my right time was a year and a half ago and not a second earlier and not a second later. That's great. And I've seen Leslie live that out in relationships with her family, with her coworkers, as we talked through just growing in our faith, and it's been really cool to see you live that out. And so uh, let's turn to Tara now. And Tara has a special relationship in a different way. So um, Tara has two beautiful little boys you've seen running around. And so Tara, tell us a little bit about how God used a special relationship of a, as a mother um, to impact God's kingdom. Let's see that lived out. Uh, hello. Sorry. That's is that better? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I have bullets. <laughs> um, so when Christy asked me this question, um, it actually got me thinking about uh, what the kingdom of God actually looks like today. And, um, you know, humans were created to be image bearers of God himself, so that means mirroring his, his values and, um, you know, his principles. And so living under the kingdom, to me, means living under that authority of God in this world and then reflecting that back out. Um, but in reality, on a day-to-day -day basis, the world always doesn't seem like that, you know, that wonderful. It's easy to get caught up in uh, or distracted by things that appeal to our more human nature or our sinful, you know, sinful nature. And, um, you know, I want to raise my kids um, with the skills to not only survive in this world, but to thrive in this world with God, um, you know, in their heart as their center. And so I want to raise them with the ability to recognize um, what the world might be putting in front of them in their path and to recognize that as, as trying to stray them away from, you know, God as their center. And I know my kids, um, you know, will have their own journey into faith. And I pray, um, I pray every day that God opens their heart and, you know, that he knows them and they know him personally. But um, as far as my calling as a mother, I think the best way to inspire and to raise my kids is to um, live out my faith in a way where they can see it and not just me teaching it to them or them hearing it or me telling it to them, but actually living it out. Um, and I hope they see that in my own journey. I hope they see me growing in my own faith. And we, you know, we try to surround them with people who are also living out their faith as well. And we just try to do um, you know, little things, little details in life that just show God's truth in our lives every day. And it's not, not easy. I learn as I go. So. Yeah, that's great. It's definitely probably not easy. Um, I know those mothers in here could say that, you know, you think about the chaoticness of your schedule and your week, or you, like how intentional can you be sometimes, but it's so great to hear that you're being intentional with your kids and also putting them in a relationship with others. That's a huge part of it as well. And so, uh, so let's turn to Tony now. And so Tony, um, God has called you into a position of wife and mother as well, but also he's called you to serve alongside your husband in a ministry position. So how have you seen God use this position um, to bring about life change? Um, 
Okay, so when you called me this week, I went into extreme panic mode. My immediate thought, and I even said to Steve, is how do I say no? How do I say no? Don't say no. And then she told me who I was joining, and I'm like, these ladies are willing to stand up there for Christ. This is to say this is not my comfort zone is like a way understatement. But so then I started thinking, okay, what am I going to say? I need something to say, and I need a scripture, right? That's what I mean. <laughs> so um, I said yes, and then I started thinking, okay, God, how have you equipped me? Let me look back. And I was shocked by my own answer because I thought, okay, a wife, 19, I got married. I was very ill-equipped. Um, I did not have a good example. Um, my parents were divorced. I did not know how to be a wife. I did not see that in my home. My parents fought all the time. Um, okay, 25, you called us into ministry. Six months after I submitted my heart to Christ. So I thought, great, my husband's going to go to college. I have four years to study up and learn how to be a minister's wife. Not the case. Um, a church called us right when he got to school, and I was now the worship guy's wife. <laughs> and reading the Bible for the first time. But like you said, so many people just showed me grace. Um, at the same time I was becoming a mother, I had a six-month-old when we were, um, as, as we moved into ministry. Didn't have a good example of that. Um, my mother always worked. My parents were always at work or fighting. Didn't have a good example of how to be a mother. So I said, God, what do you want me to say up there? <laughs> um, I don't know. And, and then the scripture came, and I'm going to share. Sorry. <laughs> John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him. He dwells with you and will be with you. And that was my answer. He has not equipped me. Um, he is just with me. And he has kept his promise to um, never leave me or forsake me. So um, when I see these things going according to what I you know, believe is God's plan, um, I know it's him. There's never a question. Um, what have I done right? How well equipped am I? It is not me. Uh, it is definitely Christ living through me and in me. And um, and that's how he's equipped for us. So being in the ministry, I, it has a special privilege, I believe, sometimes. But, um, but we're all equipped equally to uh, serve God in the exact way that he's called each of us. And as well as you, Christy, you want to share? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting that you, like, what you just said there, basically mirrors what we learned today in these scriptures as these women were willing and obedient to follow the Lord, not um, because they had some great thing to offer God, but that God um, is able to use them for his glory. And so that's kind of the same in my life. Um, actually, God called me to ministry when I was in um, high school, and I kind of thought I would serve in ministry kind of like Tony, like marry some guy who's a minister and be a minister's wife, and um, that didn't happen for me. And so God um, didn't provide a husband for me in college or in seminary. Like I just kind of kept going throughout the I'm like, it'll happen eventually, right? Which I still think that. But it has nothing to do with the story. Um, we can talk about that on another day. But it did actually change my calling in life. It changed the way I was going to live out my calling. It wasn't just to serve alongside a pastor of some sort, but it was to serve in ministry in a unique and different way. And so over the last 10 years, I've been able to serve in ministry, helping mobilize people into mission positions, as well as to educate young kids about missions, educate young adults, um, encourage and equip others 
to serve the Lord in unique and different ways. And so I think that had, honestly, had my plan played out the way I wanted to, I'm not not being able to serve the Lord in as unique of ways as I've been able to. And so I've used the gifts he's given me of conversation and encouragement and um, teaching to be able to put into action some of the things that he's gifted me in. So it's been really neat to see that position lived out um, even as a single person. And so um, let's just transition to a couple questions that anybody can really answer. Um, I've kind of showed you guys what they are and just pop in when you want. But last week, Patrick kind of said, faith can't just impact yourself. And so someone tell us how that statement is true for you or how you see truth in that statement. I mean, kind of like what I was talking about, I've seen people who are living out their faith where they didn't mean to impact my faith, but they definitely did. So I think just my lesson learned in that is just continue to love others and God's love will, will be felt. Um, I, I got this new tattoo a couple like a month ago and it says it's look at the birds of the air and it's Matthew 6 26 and 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 you can't tell that it's a scripture a lot of people come up to me they're like oh is that a song lyric what what is that is, is that a book title and I was like no it's Matthew 6 26 and that's all I say and I walk away and it's just it's my faith and it's my reminder and it's uh, that passage is a very important one to me that kind of uh, put my faith into you know this ripple effect we call life. And um, I ride the subway every single day and I'm right-handed, so I'm always holding on to the bar like this. Or, and I always catch at least three people on the train staring at it. And one time I saw someone Google it because they were, <laughs> you know, and they were like, what is that? But um, so I was curious. So I typed it into Google and when you type in, look at the birds of the air, the only thing that pops up is Matthew 6, 26. So I can just hope that, you know, that message that I'm not, I'm not trying to intrude, it's it's their own curiosity, but it's a way to start something. So that that's my faith kind of indirectly impacting others around me. Well, I'll answer this one. Um, so when I was growing up, my dad always said, choose your friends wisely. And so he would say this every year we started school, every time we moved, every like transition in life, he would say, choose your friends wisely. And my sisters and I would often just kind of mock him about it because he said it so often. Um, but that saying kind of like this, that saying also makes me think of this saying as well. And just how like our lives inevitably are impacted by the people we're around. And so as a seventh grader, I need to choose my friends wisely because they're going to impact my life. And so in the same way, I'm going to impact their life. And so I think in that same way, our faith has no other option but to transform the people around us. And so living in that faith and just realizing um, it doesn't actually have to be all that difficult either. You know, just being who you are and being who God's created you to be. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes to, like, live that out in different ways. But the reality is, as, you know, Leslie pointed out, like, people are reading it on her arm and she's not having to say anything. So God's using our lives in ways to impact others, um, even when we're not even trying that hard. And so that's kind of a cool fact about, um, about that. So... Next question is, what are some ways you see women uniquely engaging God's plan for us to find pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope in our lives? I'm going to start calling them. You guys are going to start volunteering. No. <laughs> okay, go for it. Um, I think that women have a unique way of like understanding relationships and like connecting that way. And then specifically in our church, I see um, women you know, reaching out um, through small groups, um, reconnecting that way. 
and um, those groups often um, start, you know, with God and like turn into something else, and you you make a connection to these people um, that impacts you um, in ways that you never thought you could, thought you were there to read the Bible, and it turns into all these other connections. Um, another way I see that uniquely is with Leslie, like um, with your photographs and art, and just like artistically reaching people. Um, um, that way, um, I just, that's a new way that I haven't experienced, like church or God and, and that connection before. Uh, what you were saying too about women just being so social, um, I've seen that, you know, in, in our lives where, uh, and I've been so impressed with some of the men who come alongside their wives and go to these like get-togethers that we have because of social events that the women have on that app, you know, and um, women just are social creatures and we want to be around other women and we, you know, want community and we want that um, setting. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to share. Yeah, so um, one of my favorite things about living out my faith is that God gives us relationships to live that out in. And so um, what are some ways that God has grown you through relationships with others? I think we've got enough time for each of us to kind of answer this. So just, just share one way God has grown you through relationships with others. Um, the first thing that pops into my mind is when um, we were first called into ministry. We were 26 and 27, I believe. And I, like I said, it was kind of just, I, I accepted Christ at 12 years old, but I was a baby Christian as far as growing in my faith because that was just at a sleepaway camp. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But God did uh, never left me. I'm sorry, I forgot the question. Um, <laughs> just keep telling your stories. Um, the way, like, how has God grown you through relationships with others? Okay, so the first church he called us to was in Wicksburg, Alabama. Now we're both from Miami, so that was crazy because um, they had a they provided a house for us on a peanut field, and um, I did not, you know, realize that meat did not just come in packages at the grocery store because it was walking around the fields but God put so many women in my life, um, from our church secretary to the lady who played the organ to the pastor's wife, all of these women that um, just showed me so much grace, but also showed me how to be a Christian wife, a Christian mother, a Christian, without probably being intentional, like we were talking before, just, just living out their lives and um, being that example was just unbelievable for me. And uh, we had the privilege of serving there for uh, almost six years. And that was just, we always talk about what a sweet time in our ministry and um, just how good God was to us sending us there in that community um, where we learned so much. The, the pastor there is still our mentor and um, a great, great friend of ours. And, um, you know, he just used that church. It stands out uh, in my mind. So. Um, I think for me, um, I don't know, I'm that's what I said before about um, a small group was a big thing for me. When um, I first did a, a smaller women's group, it was Chelsea and Christy and myself. And um, after that session, Christy said, okay, now you guys are gonna go start your own small group. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't say you had to. <laughs> I was like, I was like um, if I, I years ago, or even a year ago, you asked me if I would be leading any kind of group, I'd be like, you're crazy. There's no way. And um, I just said, you know what, I'm just gonna I do it. I know some women that, you know, are close and, you know, we'd like to, that's something I would like to do. I'd like to um, 
discuss the Bible more, and I was learning so much, and I just wanted to keep that going. So I did it, and it's been um, something really enjoyable for me. I've made several connections through that, and um, it's something that I look forward to now. It's just so much has evolved from it. Uh, I think for me, it, it starts with what happens here in the spirit room. Um, coming every Sunday, listening to Patrick, his words, just his style, the way he's able to actually teach me something is incredible because I'm so receptive of it and he's so understanding and it's weird. Sometimes he'll say something and I'll go up to him after I'm like, did you know that was going on in my life? Uh, or were you talking to me? I felt you. I saw you look at me once and I felt like you were looking at me the whole time. But just, uh, so it starts there and he's been great just kind of teaching me and, and answering my questions. I have a lot of questions. Um, and also like Tara said, uh, the, my first small group experience, which is still happening is with Christy and Jocelyn and we meet every week and just reading through the Bible and I've never really read the Bible and I feel like all three of us are very different and we all have uh, very different backgrounds and being able to learn from Christy, resident expert over here, and you know, and, and me being little devil's advocate, I think we have some really great conversations uh, and I'm able really to learn, uh, I'm able to learn there and um, just kind of figure things out and then, and then Drew gets, gets the rest of it and my really weird questions and answers and, and he's always there sitting there debating with me and kind of, you know, we, we, we come to this mutual understanding, and I think having people of all walks of life and people who are in all different points of their journey being really, really able to help you. So having a small group is awesome because you guys get to share everything, and having those few pivotal people in your life that you can literally ask any question, and you know that no question is a stupid question, and they're gonna sit there and try to talk through it with you, and you'll come to an understanding. That's great. Thank you, ladies, so much. Um, I would say for me, just an area I've grown lately in relationship, um, for those of you that I'm close friends with, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about my emotional and spiritual journey. And so I'm growing in a lot of ways emotionally and just kind of connecting those two in my life. And, um, and I've really realized through some of my relationships that I'm often hardest on myself. And so the things that I like tell myself all the time are usually negative and not helpful. And so really through some great conversation lately with some friends, I've felt encouragement in a way that's actually made me grow in my identity in Christ even more. And so as I told a couple people this morning, I was actually a little bit weirded out that I wasn't nervous this morning. So I'm like, why am I not nervous? Because normally I'm like really nervous before I speak in front of people. But I really do think it has something to do with that encouragement that's been spoken into my life recently from friends and, and family members who are saying, like, find your identity in Christ. Look for that in Christ. Don't think about what you think is wrong with you or what the world says is wrong with you, the way the world says you don't connect. But really just finding your identity in Christ. And so that's been such an encouragement to me lately and has really grown me in that understanding. And I think it lived out in life today as well. So I think that's really exciting. So, well, I just want to say, you know, one of the things I, one of the reasons I ask um, you guys, I could have asked anybody to be a part of this. And I've seen this lived out in our, in our faith family in so many different ways. But I really have seen God use you guys in great and unique ways and your gifts and skills and abilities. So I'm so thankful for my relationship with each of you and thankful you were willing to be a part of this today. And so I just want to close real quickly with a brief prayer for these three ladies and as well other ladies in the room that God would just uh, encourage and enable you to um, live out your faith. And so when I'm done with this prayer, Patrick's going to come up and close this, but let's pray together. Dear God, I just thank you for Leslie and Tara and Tony, and I just thank you for the way that you use their um, their gifts this morning to share with our church community. God, I thank you for the story and the way you've uniquely called and gifted each of them. 
I thank you for the relationships you've given them, the positions you've given them, Lord. And I thank you for the way that they've been encouraged through relationships in our church family. But I do just pray for special blessings over them as they um, continue in these relationships and continue in these positions, that you would do great and mighty things through their willingness to be obedient, Lord. And I also just want to lift that prayer up for those in our faith family that are sitting out here in the audience today or may not be here this morning, Lord, but um, just that they know that they are uniquely created um, in you, Lord, and you've given them an identity that's in you, um, not in the world around them, not in their achievements, not in the areas of success or failure, Lord, but that our identity comes from a relationship with you and growing in that relationship. And I just pray that you help empower us um, and teach us to be more like you in that each and every day. In this your name we pray. Amen. Amen.